0: Hey guys welcome to get a life podcast kunai and you're like whoa bish. get a life podcast kunai what you guys don't normally do interviews here we don't normally do but at the moment because of COVID-19 it's been very difficult to do episodes so I thought why not get people on from the anime industry whether that's voice actors or anime licenses and distributors today we have Andy from all the anime say hello Hello everybody. Before we get into the main discussion, we're obviously going to be talking about all the anime and the stuff that they do, their catalog as well, and have a little bit of an anime discussion. But before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsors, Crunchyroll, Japan Crate, J-List. So Andy, how are you today?
1: Yes, yeah, not too uh, not too bad. It's uh, it's always a busy time here at Anime Limited and uh, it's very bleak and wet here in Glasgow, which we should be used to. But uh, but yeah, things are things are going very well, thank
0: you. Good to hear, good to hear. So, obviously you work for Anime Limited. I don't know exactly what you do because from what I know Anime Limited is is quite a new company in terms of the anime distribution and and licensing. So, if you can tell us what you do for them and what the company does in general.
1: Yeah, certainly. So, uh, so yeah, Anime Limited are the the biggest um, independent uk distributor of anime in the uk um as you've mentioned we're kind of relatively the new kid on the block we were founded uh, officially i think in, at the end of 2013 but we've kind of been releasing stuff in terms of home video products since sort of you know 2014 time um for myself i am officially the marketing manager for anime limited uh but honestly as we're a relatively small company um everybody kind of wears a lot of hats here we all do a little bit of everything so while in general, I deal with the marketing side of things and kind of overseeing a lot of that, uh, also get involved with the actual production of home video products and, and pretty much, you know, I, I have a little bit of a hand in everything that we do. So I kind of have a bit of an oversight into, into everything that we do as a business.
0: Looking at your website, right? There's a lot of stuff that you guys cover from what I can see. In terms of home video and such like that, how long does it take for you to acquire an anime and then obviously get it to release on Blu-ray?
1: Yeah, so I mean that's that's a really interesting question because it's, it's highly variable, um, and there are kind of a lot of a lot of moving parts with uh, with home video products and, and kind of licensing and, and acquisition in general, and, and it really runs the gamut. I mean, we, uh, particularly in the, the pre COVID nineteen times, you know, uh, some of our, our kind of our staff, like Andrew, the CEO in particular, would. Uh, Andrew Partridge, who, who some people may already know of, um, would, you know, go out to Japan several times a year, meet all of the kind of various distributors and, you know, talk about upcoming titles, things that were were up for, for acquisition, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, sometimes we'll pick something up, film in particular, uh, is the kind of thing that we'll potentially pick up and, and acquire and license before it's even hit Japanese cinemas, you know, we're kind of right there day one, um, to to kind of, you know, be there from the very start. Um and then there are other titles that are, you know, kind of older classics that maybe come around and and, and you know, become available. Uh, recently we've announced that, that we've acquired Neon Genesis Evangelion, for example. Mm. Um, which is is, you know, obviously a, a big deal. So sometimes it can be, you know, many years later we'll we'll go back and we'll revisit a, a series um and so yeah it it really very very much depends on on what it is that we're we're licensing um if it's say you're typical kind of anime tv series or or a theatrical film to be fair there's usually some kind of holdback that's stipulated in the contract that says you know we can't release until so far after you know the japanese release in cinemas or on blu-ray or whatever so that that's often kind of you know one of the things that we have to factor in in terms of how quickly we can bring it out to, to the the uk um, but it's something we're always kind of working to to minimize as much as possible because especially in this kind of digital world that we live in now you know we understand that it's kind of weird for stuff not to be available the same instant everywhere and like there's there's this strange sort of push and pull between the more traditional models of releasing things and we're seeing it in Hollywood as well in terms of you know films being released in the US before the UK or whatever um and so there's this strange kind of push and pull between, you know, the more traditional model of holding things back and releasing things piecemeal in different territories and kind of the desire of, of customers to to get their hands on things quicker because you know now we we live in this global interconnected world people know what's coming out in various countries you know people know and can often like simulcast the latest anime you know as it as it airs so there's there's a lot more pressure to kind of say hey like this is the hot show bring it out now um and so there's there's kind of a bit of a balancing act there really
0: even before you said it i didn't know that you know sometimes the the people in Japan have these speculations in contracts that say okay you can't release it until this many months after the Japanese release and I think a lot of anime fans out there don't necessarily know that they just see it and they're like how come it doesn't come out and they start getting angry but I think that's obviously why having you on today is very important because we need to understand the the back end of things because I think when we do we, we can get to appreciate it more we know you need to know who's working for these companies if that makes sense you know what i mean but it's it's very interesting that you mentioned evangelion right because if i'm not mistaken there was no sort of dvds or blu-rays that you can get legally in the uk the only reason i'm mentioning it is because we on this podcast we only review anime and talk about shows that are legally available to us in all of our regions and you know we have people from Canada and the US so sometimes we'll get a show that's available in Canada and the US very easily on Crunchyroll or Funimation and then it won't be available here and I'm like oh man what what am I gonna do Evangelion was one of them like I was going to the point to like buy like VHS tapes in the end we had to cancel the episode until obviously now it's it's legally available I believe it's on Netflix right
1: yes yeah yeah that is that is correct
0: yeah i mean evangelion in particular
1: is, is a very strange one because yeah it was released uh on vhs kind of in the us and the uk then later on dvd and then it went out of print and kind of disappeared off the face of the planet so as, as as a an older anime fan let's just say like you know i mean evangelion was kind of it's kind of why i'm sat here like evangelion was the series that turned me into from somebody who'd seen a couple of anime into i think i love anime like i think this is something incredible that i want to kind of dedicate a lot of my time to and yeah it's been really frustrating for the last kind of decade plus having this thing that is so incredibly good and is such an incredibly important part of of kind of the the history of anime and anime fandom and all this stuff that's not being readily available like you say you know there were maybe secondhand dvds or kind of the last stock kicking around Uh, But there was no easy way to recommend it and just say, oh, yeah, just go and watch this on Netflix or whatever. Mm. So, yeah, it's been a real relief to see, you know, Netflix picking up the series. And obviously, like as as a massive fan of Evangelion, I'm I'm really, really excited that we're able to release it on Blu-ray. And uh, then, yeah, like nobody has an excuse not to watch it anymore, thankfully.
0: So how does that process work? Because as you mentioned, Evangelion is quite an old anime but it's quite an iconic show so how does it work for you guys in the office do you guys sit together and say okay these are the shows that we want to bring over and then you start the process from there or how does that work
1: um yeah it's again it's it's very variable I mean something you know what will happen with some titles is obviously you know we know all of the, the 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 Japanese kind of distributors and publishers, they know us. So they'll quite often come with with new titles or maybe a catalog of older series and they'll, you know, solicit to us and say, "Hey, look, here's what's available. Like here's, here's your menu if you like for you to choose from." But obviously at the same time from the other angle, you know, we're always keeping an ear to the ground in terms of what's available, what's coming out, you know, we're always sort of having a look at the latest trailers that come out of Japan for films and TV series and saying, oh, hey, that looks pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, even likewise with with older stuff, you know, we all, one of the great things about working for Anime Limited is we are all anime fans. Like, we're not just kind of business people who've decided, hey, there's some money in this business. Like, we all have our own kind of things that we're really passionate about and really kind of excited about on personal levels. And, you know, occasionally we, we manage to pick up things that are sort of almost sort of personal projects for, for things that we really love. So, yeah, there's always a there's always a very open app atmosphere here at anime limited if, if if somebody has a series that they like then we're always interested to kind of to hear about it and to kind of talk it through in terms of like hey is this uh, am i the only person that likes this or does this actually have you know is is this going to have a, a market and an audience um and then obviously you know we can maybe do some digging and, and see you see what's available so so yeah it's really variable you know sometimes things land on our doorstep and you know companies will come to us and say hey would you like to you know put in an offer to release this uh, but sometimes you know it, it is us tracking things down and, and talking to for, for, often for older series in particular it's just about finding who the right people to talk to are well we're talking about the business angle like every anime has effectively a production committee um, and that is a collection of usually of, of various businesses that have come together to kind of put money into that production initially you have a say in Kind of every element of the sales of, you know, the DVD, the Blu ray, the merchandise, etc., etc. Um, and obviously, when that's a new or newish series, it's pretty easy to find the right people and for all of the people who need to make that decision to convene or to have a, like an email thread to say, Yeah, sure, it's okay. We can license this, we can release this. The problem with some older series is that, you know, parts of that production committee are either businesses that no longer exist or they've kind of sold their stake off to another company and so on and so forth. And that's where stuff can get really complicated and things can kind of get lost in the ether because there are series where, you know, who actually Actually owns the rights to things get incredibly complicated, and Evangelion, to a slightly lesser extent, was one of those as well, where there there are some kind of complexities around it that uh, that you know kind of needed to be figured out before you know Netflix could release it and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, But but yeah, it's, it's it's a very variable thing in terms of you know how we choose what to to acquire. There's there's not a kind of single method that we use for everything. It's it's pretty variable.
0: Okay. Uh speaking of evangelion cuz I really want to touch on this a little bit more because i don't understand quite your relationship with netflix do you guys get the i don't know how the licensing works with them specifically because it is available to stream on netflix right but you guys are are dealing with the home video release how does that work
1: yeah so so effectively what tends to happen when when netflix wants a title is obviously they're only really interested in the digital side of it so they will pick up the digital rights for kind of for streaming uh, which usually leaves the home video rights for somebody else to pick up So, in terms of of a kind of direct connection on on that license, certainly there's not really any correlation between ourselves and Netflix. Kind of Netflix went and sorted out the digital side of things, and, you know, obviously they have potential stipulations over kind of what is allowed for, for other releases but then we've come in on the home video side of things to pick up the the rights to release it on blu-ray so there is some kind of crossover obviously netflix created a new dub for the series which you know we'll, we'll be, be looking to, to get access to and things like that but uh, for, for a lot of the things where it's something that is has streamed on netflix as kind of a netflix original or anything like that that we then go on to release on home video it's kind of like two separate things
0: because it's interesting that you mentioned the dub and, and everything like that. When you pick up the rights for home video distribution, do you also have access to the dub? Or at the same time, would you have to go then contact, you know, Netflix and say, hey, guys, we, we want to include the dub and blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, again, that that can vary from from title to title. Sometimes it, it really depends on who owns the, the rights to the dub and kind of again, how that whole kind of thing has, has come about. Because there are some titles where, you know, the, the Japanese creator basically kind of keeps <laughs> keeps all the rights to, to the dub and, you know, so we can just access it from them. Sometimes it, the, the rights to the dub kind of belong to the company that created it. And so, you know, usually you have to kind of go through the Japanese licensor as the intermediary to pick up that dub and so sometimes there are costs etc etc involved so it's pretty unusual that you don't have any level of access to to something like that um but yeah they're they're usually from a business point of view that there are there are often just kind of considerations in terms of you know what what is available and how it's available
0: because i always found it very interesting because i'm guessing from your perspective working for all the anime do you find that a lot of people in terms of customers ask for the dubs if possible like
1: it would be interesting to see especially in 2020 with streaming and 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 you know the way that's moved on with like simul dubs and things to see exactly what the split is because you know there's every everybody loves quote unquote that the classic sub versus dub argument and you know mm. that that never seems to go away so yeah i mean we definitely have customers that absolutely want a dub for, for everything that they watch it's always it's always preferable for us to have subtitle and dub options but obviously sometimes it just simply isn't possible if there's no dub in, in existence so yeah you know there, there are definitely people who who want that and again it, it depends on the title as as well i mean you know to go back to to evangelion you know i think that's as and, and, and classic series in general say something like a cowboy bebop where a lot of people's first experience of that show was watching the english dub version of it so it kind of becomes something where it's often less about the the sub versus dub argument and it's more about just what you remember and how you enjoyed it the first time around for an older series so you know i, I think that's also kind of partly where that comes from as well.
0: We're going to go on a short break and then when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. I also wanted to go into a more personal conversation with Andy and and learn about how he got into anime. But see you guys at the end of the break. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Crunchyroll. Go and check him out at getlifepodcast.com forward slash Crunchyroll for 14 day free trial of Crunchyroll. Premium service. That means anime without ads, 1080p HD. You can watch it on all your favorite devices, your TVs, your phones, whatever. Even if you want to watch it on your Chromecast, you can as well. That's amazing. Go and check them out. 14 day free trial. You've got the most diverse collection of anime and manga on the internet. So go and check them out. It's a no brainer, lads. GetLifePodcast.com forward slash Crunchyroll. Thank you, Crunchyroll, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the lovely people at Japan Crate. Japan Crate offers a unique experience of Japan through monthly crates filled with candy and who doesn't love candy right? Japan Crate brings you a delicious selection of snacks every month. You can check it out on our YouTube channel for $35 a month and you can cancel anytime. but I don't know why you would want to. Learn more at getlifepodcast.com forward slash Japan Crate. Remember use the code GALP for $3 off on new subscriptions. So getlifepodcast.com forward slash japan crate use the code g-a-l-p for three dollars off and if you want to check out what snacks that you get in the crates go and check out our youtube channels links will be in the description so go and check them out thank you japan crate for sponsoring this episode of the podcast okay we are back it's been about five minutes for you guys it was like two seconds for us andy I just wanted to know how did you get into anime? In terms of being a fan, I got into anime
1: really late. While I was a teenager, like I had a bunch of friends who would constantly go on and on about like Ninja Scroll and stuff like that. And for, for whatever reason, I always just kind of rolled my eyes at it and was like, "Oh yeah, that doesn't sound like my kind of thing. Like uh, I'm not, I'm not into anime." Um, and then kind of my actual starting point for getting interested in it was actually back when the matrix came out and and when that came out on dvd because i had a friend that i worked with who as soon as he found out that i'd seen that film and loved it was like oh you have to see this thing called ghost in the shell like it's it was a massive influence on the matrix you have to see it you'll think it's amazing it'll be great it'll be great and i kept putting it off and putting it off and just like yeah yeah sure whatever like you know it's It's just a cartoon, like it's not gonna be that amazing. Um, And eventually he gave up just trying to persuade me and literally just forced the DVD on me and said, don't give me this back until you've watched it. Like, I'm gonna make you watch this thing. So I'm like, fine, okay, I'll watch Ghost in the Shell. And I watched it and it absolutely blew my mind. Like it was the animation itself, the, the the kind of the, the story and the, the narrative and kind of the ideas that it was espousing that was kind of so completely different to the films that I was used to seeing and so I was kind of blown away by it I was like okay anime is kind of cool from there I then went and watched Akira because of course you would watch Akira and kind of had the same reaction of just like this is this is amazing um, at which point I sort of hit a little bit of a brick wall of like well where, where do you go from here you've just watched two of the greatest animated films of all time uh, which is actually where and Genesis Evangelion came in because that was... I picked up the first volume of that one on DVD on a whim. Like I was on holiday, it was a rainy day. And I was just like, I'm just gonna go to the shops. I'm just gonna buy something to watch. And it was just happened to be sat there as a new release. I watched the first volume of that. And again, that was the one that just really blew me away of just like, well, I'm, I'm three for three now. All of these things have been fantastic. Like, I guess I should start getting into anime. Um, and so I started kind of seeking out and, and watching more stuff. Ironically, this sort of came around the same sort of time time as as kind of fan subbing like on the internet started to really sort of take off and become a thing which obviously made anime far more accessible. So it was sort of started to become easier to, to find things to watch. And then as time went on, obviously simulcast and kind of crunch roll became a thing. Um, and by that point I was actually writing about anime as well. Like I worked, I started writing for the UK Anime Network where I started out like just reviewing DVDs cause they were kind of snowed under and were just looking for somebody who, you know, could, could write coherent sentences basically and, and were interested in watching anime. So I sort of said, yeah, sure. Sign me up, like send me some discs. I'll, I'll review some stuff for you, um, and so you know, I started. I started doing that. I started watching ever more ridiculous amounts of anime to kind of keep up with everything. From there, um, ended up as the the editor in chief of the UK Anime Network, and uh, which kind of. Which kind of sowed the seeds for for where I am now, really, because I, as time went on, I started getting interested. As we were talking about previously, I started getting interested not just in watching the hot shows. Like I started to get really fascinated by the business and kind of how how the sausage is made, effectively. Of like, you know, how does this stuff come from, you know, Japan to this shiny disc that I'm holding, or you know, this stream that I'm watching on Crunchyroll. And so I started to. To dig in and kind of, you know, find out everything that I could about the industry as a whole. Um, which kind of like takes me to about three years ago when Anime Limited were, were hiring a marketing manager. So I said, okay, well, I'll throw my hat into the ring. I know I know a few things about anime and I, I know a decent amount about the business now. Um, and here I am,
0: <laughs> sat as a, as a marketing manager for, for Anime Limited. You have a wealth of knowledge on anime and such. What would you say is your favorite genre of anime? It's strange because I've,
1: I've never been the kind of guy that really attaches to a genre. Like, I, I always enjoy watching a really wide range of things. Like, you know, there are sports anime I enjoy. There's really, like, you know, dramatic stuff. There, there are romantic shows that I enjoy. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've never really kind of been somebody who's just like, oh, I like shonen anime. You know, I've, I've always enjoyed... I mean, every season I kind of end up watching like about a dozen different shows and there's very little usually to tie any two of them together. It's just like it's a really broad range of stuff that that I watch. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to just pick like a genre for me.
0: Because the only reason I'm saying that is because when we started this podcast, we were very new to anime in general. Like one of our hosts only read manga and that was it we decided to come together and just watch all these different types of anime and I was like I've only seen maybe two anime and then Kevin saw like two, Tyson saw like Attack on Titan or something you know what I mean so the goal was to share everyone's taste in anime with each other so we would suggest an anime each month so each one of us would suggest an anime to watch and then we watch it and review it but I've always kind of found myself as the person that watches more like rom-coms you know what I mean like Haganai or like Toradora or stuff like that and I think as you watch more anime, you kind of break away from that, at least from me, from my personal experience. So that's why I was asking. I just wanted to know, really, because you're mentioning such prolific shows. And I just wanted to know, like, do you only watch like these really amazing shows? Have you ever seen like a show that you're like, oh, this is really this is really hard to watch because it's so bad.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, especially, and again, I mean, from, from the, the the old days of like reviewing stuff for, for UK anime, you know, I, I used to, you know, you'd watch what you were given basically, and you would watch what was up for review. And I mean, especially, you know, even when I was editor in chief, you know, I, I'd always kind of put the word out of like, Hey, who wants to review this particular show here? And then, you know, nobody would come back to you and it's like, okay, well, I guess this one's on me to watch. So yeah. Yeah. I, I've definitely, I've definitely written some pretty scathing reviews of of uh, various shows over the years and yeah there are, there are definitely series that uh, th- these days I feel I feel like I'm a bit more blessed because I'm not having to review stuff if I start watching something and I hate it I can just stop um, okay. You know, it's, it's it's not like it's not like the old days where it's like okay, well, I've got this series that I've promised to review, or I've got this DVD of a complete series I'm sat here to review. So if I'm like two, three episodes in and it's really not doing it for me, I still find it hard because I'm a bit of a completionist. Once I've started something, but I at least know in the back of my head that no- nobody's going to judge me too harshly if I just say, you know what, I think I've had enough of this one.
0: See, because we're still in that position, we have to finish the show that's given to us. And one show that I. I don't want to say this because it's technically a, all the anime license. You guys have the the home video release for it. So, Kiznaiva, I hate it. Okay. I absolutely hate it. We did a whole episode on it. And it's just like, there's something about the show. If you're listening and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give Kiznaiva a watch. Don't. Because I personally didn't like it. You guys might not watch the episode that we did on it. We explain everything that's wrong with it. But sometimes there's those shows that just make me so upset. Like, I don't know why It's just not properly paced or anything like that. But just like you, right, I have to kind of finish it. There was only one anime that I I dropped, actually, come to think of it. It's an anime called Denki Guy.
1: Uh, Okay, So, so I quite enjoyed Denki Guy, so...
0: See, the thing is, right, with Guy, there's an internal meme on the podcast because we were supposed to review it. I was the one that suggested it and I didn't finish (laughs) it. I was like, oh, this seems cool. It's about like working in a manga shop. That's pretty awesome. And I only watched like five episodes of the whole show. And then we got to the recording where we were supposed to write notes and, and, you know, watch all 12 episodes or whatever. And in the middle of the episode, I just, I was like, I'm sorry, guys. I couldn't finish this anime. I couldn't (laughs) finish it. Kevin, my co-host was like, you know what? Me too i couldn't finish it i don't know why there was something about it it's not like the anime was bad it's just i could i don't know there was something stopping me from finishing the anime
1: yeah and, and so, well so, sometimes i think and, and again especially from back in my days of reviewing stuff sometimes the, the worst anime in a way is the most mediocre stuff because sometimes you can kind of you can either hate watch something and just watch it and just criticize everything that it does or you can watch it and at least kind of come at it from an angle of, of you know this is kind of I, i'm having a good time tearing apart what is wrong with this series and why i don't like it but when something is really bland and mediocre, that can sometimes be the worst thing because there's just nothing to say about it. It's just kind of there. And that's often the stuff that I have the hardest time with is stuff that I just have no strong feelings about one way or the other
0: yeah there's a lot of anime that i've noticed like that like i don't want to say especially like slice of life those kind of shows i'm a big fan of shows like nichiju and stuff i'm not really talking about that specifically but if you look at shows like k-on where there's no real story to it it's all fun but it's like what am i getting out of this anime as you said it's those kind of mediocre shows that you know you don't necessarily have that much fun with because it's like you can't shit all over it And then you can't really praise it either. So it's just like you're in the middle ground, like, okay, this was an okay show. I don't see the purpose of it. But, you know, that being said, I've noticed that within the website on all the anime, I'm looking at the bit that says what we do, right? There's content, cinema and digital. We haven't really spoken about the digital aspect. So I wanted to know, like, what is that? Because it mentions that you guys work with other companies and stuff. Like, what is the scope of that work?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, really for us, so th- 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 this is kind of a, a twofold thing. So one of the things that, that we've actually launched this year on the film side of things is we've launched a service called ScreenAnime, which you can find at ScreenAnime.com to get a quick plug in there. Um, and that is basically an online film festival. Um, and obviously, one of the first things that that we kind of did as, as a business when COVID-19 kind of rolled around is we, we all sat down as a company just before kind of lockdown started and we, we left our, our office to start working from home. Is We sat down and said, okay, what are the things that are going to get impacted that we normally do as part of our day to day that we can't do anymore? And one of the obvious things was well, cinemas are going to be shut for a while at least. So what can we do in terms of bringing people film, you know, while they're stuck at home? But what can we do with that as as an idea that isn't just for right here and right now? What's something that will be a lasting service that will still be valuable in like two years time or a year's time or whatever? Um, And so what we came up with is Screen Anime. And that's basically a selection of four films every month. um, And that, that selection rotates on a monthly basis, so we'll change out those films. And it's basically kind of a blend of kind of like premieres of new films that have maybe not been seen in the UK before and some older classics and festival favorites, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And so that's kind of a part of our digital strategy now is bringing films to the UK digitally. And obviously that's particularly important at at the moment where, you know, it's not as easy to get to the cinema or the cinemas are outright shut. Um, But also it's kind of a recognition going back to what we were talking to talking about right at the, the start in terms of, you know, when people see that a film is screening in Japan they kind of sit there and say, man, I really want to watch that now. And obviously we can't kind of close that gap down to zero necessarily, but what we'd like to do and what we're trying to do with Screen Anime is to reduce that gap between a film coming out in Japan and a film being available to watch in the UK. And so, you know, Screen Anime is kind of part of that that grand plan to, to kind of to close that gap and also just to serve people who even in you know non-covid 19 times can't necessarily get to the cinema i mean obviously we're very keen on putting films into cinemas and that's a big part of what we do but we understand anime films with the odd exception of something like a your name or a weathering with you aren't gonna get screened in like hundreds and hundreds of cinemas like and they're not gonna get screenings like every day for weeks it's quite often just a one-day event in a smallish handful of cinemas And so, you know, Screen anime also exists to kind of, to bridge that gap for people who maybe don't get uh, anime in the cinemas near them, um, to kind of give them an opportunity to see those films. So, so that's certainly a big part of our digital strategy. Um, and the other side of it is really just, you know, around TV series and stuff like that. You know, obviously you've got the likes of Funimation and Crunchyroll that pick up a lot of stuff for simulcast, but you know, where there are opportunities, we will, we will pick up digital rights for for series as well so that we can put them on Netflix or put them on Crunchyroll, put them on Amazon, you know, wh- wherever it is the best fit for them and kind of, you know, make them available that way. Um, and, and one of the big things that we did last year is, uh, we partnered with uh, with all four uh, channel four's on demand streaming service to bring a whole bunch of anime to them because you know all four is uh is targeted at exactly the the right demographic of people who are perhaps either like casual anime fans or who would be anime fans if they sat down and watched it and so they kind of came to us and said well look we're really interested in in content you know what can what can you give us that would sort of fit our our audience and so obviously you know we've we've worked with them to bring a a package of, of anime to them like you know stuff like sword Art online cowboy bebop and kind of you know a really good selection of stuff that like you were saying you know when, when you're new to anime that question like what do you watch we tried to kind of curate a really good list of like hey just go check out the selection of, of, of mostly classic stuff kind of modern classical otherwise on all four and see, see if you like it because we reckon you'll probably come out of it an anime fan
0: see because i didn't know that because i was a bit shocked by that because i didn't notice that there was anime on all four i was just like what this is this is new this is you know welcome change I didn't know that you guys were uh, responsible for that so I want to thank you for that when you're talking about screen anime right I've noticed you did mention that there's four films every month and it rotates each month how does that work does all the films get shown at the same time or is it like a interface similar to Crunchyroll in which you can select which film to watch within that month of the four or is it like weekly so you get a new film every week out of the four? No, so
1: basically it's on demand, so it's kind of like a little bit Crunchyroll-esque. So on the 25th of each month, um, you know, we just, we put up all of the new films for that month, so, you know, all four films go up at the same time, and basically it's there for you to watch you know, on demand as and when you want. So, you know, you can... You can pick and choose when you when you watch them, whether you watch it dubbed or subbed, and so on and so forth. Um, once a week on Thursdays, we do do like a, a, an online watch along on Twitter, where the the Screen Anime UK Twitter account will just you know, it's kind of an interactive watch along, which I know a lot of people have been enjoying, especially whilst you know you, you can't get out so much. Um, but no, it's really just a kind of you know watch it, watch it whenever you feel like it, whenever you're ready for some anime.
0: You mentioned that obviously new stuff gets shown every you know 25th of each month the the old catalog does that get removed or does it still remain on the site
1: uh yep so that basically gets removed it's kind of a complete refresh so uh yeah it basically kind of fits in with the, the idea of it as a as an online film festival like it's kind of a limited time window to to watch for for that month and then we'll switch it out with with new content the next month
0: so how do you curate the films to watch like is there someone specifically or is it like all of you guys come together and say okay we think that this for films would be the perfect choice for this month
1: um so I mean it's mostly kind of Andrew Partridge our CEO is is kind of you know the the head honcho for all of that stuff but uh, yeah I mean it's it's usually it is kind of a collaborative effort you know we, we we're always everybody on the team can, kind of has an input on it but it's usually kind of myself and Andrew that tend to sort of sit down and say okay you know what films do we have available in in the catalog you know what 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 is what is on the docket that that we can offer people and then you know we try and kind of Create something that's gonna gonna be somewhat kind of themed and and be kind of the, the right films at the right time each month. It's like kind of the the current lineup is is sort of a, a pretty summer focused. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of surfing and beaches going on and and, uh, and sunshine in all the films that we've got this month. Um, and you know, we we just try and kind of we try and have something that that we can kind of curate everything around. Um, but also sometimes it's just about you know, uh, last month we had Weathering with You as our kind of digital premiere. Yeah, because, you know, that was that was the, the earliest that we could could bring it to people. And we know it was a hot film that a lot of people wanted to see. So we just wanted to make sure they could, uh, could get uh, get their, their eyeballs on it as quickly as possible.
0: See, it's very interesting for me because obviously I don't really watch anime films. Like, I think the first time I've seen an anime film properly, it's so weird. I was on an Emirates flight to Dubai and they were showing uh, your name. That was the only anime film that I got into or anything like that. And I I thought it was quite interesting. But it's like, I don't know. I I find it very difficult for me to get into anime films because I don't know where to start. Because a lot of the anime films tend to be, you know, one-off films from what I presume is what you're showing on screen anime or stuff that is associated with a series or a manga if that makes sense so you know like the my hero academia film or like you know what it was it was the demon slayer that's the one uh, the, yeah. the demon slayer film that's going to be releasing in october stuff mm-hmm. like that i don't. I tend not to go for those kind of films just because it's like oh i have to watch the anime to get into it Do you know what i mean yeah yeah so at least with this and this is what i love about this service is the fact that you're introducing the people to a lot of films that they may have not seen before i think that's the good thing about it
1: yeah absolutely like that that's very much a part of, of what we try to do and and kind of uh to, to sort of expand on that like this the whole idea is kind of an offshoot of, of scotland loves anime which is a film festival that we run up in scotland every year and again like andrew partridge is, is also the festival director of that you know like i assist with that quite a lot as well and and that is you know an annual film festival in glasgow and edinburgh that, that has a very similar focus um to it that you know we try to to bring a wide range of anime films to people to to show and, and enjoy because like you say there, there's a bunch of stuff that is franchise films like my hair academia or you know fate's day night or you know the demon slayer film whatever it is that you know caters to a very specific audience who have watched a tv series and love it but there's also so such a wealth of especially now you know there, there's a lot more anime film kind of coming out every year and and there's a whole wealth of 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 original anime film that you can watch without any prior experience of of anime, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, I think your name kind of proved that as sort of a a breakout hit, that, you know, it can be a really good, introduction to people who've never watched anything that they'd consider anime before. Um, and so, yeah, we, we really do like to champion kind of original film um, and and to, and to champion specific directors. Like, you know, one of the things that we think is really important is to, to talk about some of the, the big name directors of anime. Obviously, you've got Makoto Shinkai for, for your name. But again, this month on screen anime, we have a uh, ride away from Masaki Uasa who's done a bunch of incredible work. Um, and, you know, I, I could reel off all sorts of the kind of names directors who we we have a real fondness for and we we like to follow their careers closely because we feel like it's it's important to build their names and brands in the same way that, you know, fans of cinema would recognize the name of, you know, Quentin Tarantino or Steven Spielberg or whatever. Like, anime has those directors too who are recognizable names who have a very recognizable style and we we are very keen on kind of getting those names into the public conscience in the same way as as kind of, you know, the big name Hollywood directors.
0: Well, I think that's a good point to go on a break. When we come back, guys, we're going to be discussing more about this because I'm very interested to know about uh, Scotland Loves Anime. We'll see you on the other side of the break. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the wonderful people at J-List. J-List brings you the latest anime and otaku goods from Japan directly. Whether that's anime, manga, cosplay, import game, visual novels. J-List has got you covered. Learn more at getlifepodcast.com forward slash J-List. And remember to use our link and the code G-A-L-P for 5% off on all purchases on J-List. That's including pre-orders. Remember, getlifepodcast.com forward slash J-List. Thank you very much, J-List for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Hello, this is just a reminder for you guys to check out our Discord page. If you go to getLifePodcast.com forward slash discord, join our Discord page, join in on all the discussions that we're gonna be having, whether it's in our gaming channel, our anime channel, go check us out there. Hopefully in the future we'll be doing our giveaways, all podcast giveaways will be done via Discord as well. So make sure you join in on the fun. In addition to that, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Podcast. If you like what you see here, follow us on Twitter. We'll be posting new episodes, videos, announcements, things like that on Twitter as well. So be sure to check out our Twitter page if you want to be notified of all those kind of stuff. Anyway, back onto the episode. Okay, we are back. Andy, I want to know more about Scotland Loves Anime because its I've known about it. I didn't know that you guys had anything to do with it, right? It seems like it's a separate entity. And I, I'm noticing that there's a lot of other, I don't want to say sub companies, but there's a lot of other things that you guys do that we may not necessarily know about. The Cliveman story, yeah. You guys did that, right? Uh, yes yep yep
1: that was us also
0: okay if you could tell us more about it because i was intrigued by that because during corona it's like there was no conventions going on and i i heard it was a big success unfortunately i didn't get to take part i didn't get to even join the live streams and the reason why was because i was in a recording so it was, uh, it was a bit unfortunate i really wanted to attend but where did that idea come from because i don't know i felt that that was the first sort of virtual con because now we're seeing you know Crunchyroll expo is going virtual a san diego comic con is going virtual and everything like that but i felt that you guys are the first one.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, I think technically we were kind of like the the second or third because a couple of others kind of came in before us. But yeah, I mean, much like screen anime, this was, was born from the, the same conversation that we had before before lockdown started when we were in the office and we were talking about, you know, what are the things we're not going to be able to do for the foreseeable future? And putting anime in cinemas was one. The other one that, that really bummed us out was we're not going to get to go to events. We're not going to get to go to MCM Comic Cons for a while. Like, and and the question was really kind of like, how, how do we replicate that? You know, normally we'll go to like London Comic Con in particular. We'll go, we'll bring some really cool Japanese guests and kind of get them to, you know, talk about their work and their careers. People will get to kind of meet them and ask them questions. We get to meet the fans. Like, you know, obviously we get to talk to fans online a lot, but it's really nice to have that physical kind of interaction with fans where they'll come up to a booth and have a chat about, you know what what they're interested in what's going on etc cetera, etc cetera. and so we, we had this question of like well how do we how do we replace something like a comic con uh, and that's kind of where the virtual co- convention idea came in because you know we said well you know we we want to do something that is that people can enjoy you know from the the safety of their own home we want to bring people kind of the ability to to learn and to hear from japanese guests in the way that we could at, at a comic con um, you know we want to offer up some cool merchandise and stuff we want to partner with you know video game companies etc etc to showcase some of their stuff and all the things that we'd normally do at an event and so kind of Clyde matsuri really was born out of that of really just wanting to, to give people all of those things that you'd normally get at like an mcm london comic con weekend but at home and so you know we went away we kind of figured out the logistics of like how how do we make this work because like you say it was one of the first and we were just we were just we were starting from from almost nothing in terms of like okay well like technologically all of this stuff how does this work um but you know we started reaching out to to companies in japan and they were all really excited about it and you know we before we knew it we had kind of enough guests and enough partners that we had like a full weekend of content filled up and uh so yeah you know we were we were really pleased with with how it's gone and uh you know we're, we're planning to to do more things like that in, in a similar vein because again this was very much something that we didn't want to create as a as an idea just for the here and now we wanted to make it something sustainable that would be useful in the future, um, and you know I, I think uh, you know obviously we don't want to stop going to physical events anytime soon. Like as soon as as soon as we're able to again, you know we'll we'll bite people's hands off to to get back to going to to comic cons. Um, but you know we we also want something that we can offer to people who can't make it to those events, and you know something a, a little bit a little bit different, but that still kind of covers those same bases.
0: Initially, I didn't know that you guys had anything to do with it, and the reason why that was is because when you look at the partners page you've got Crunchyroll, you've got Manga UK, Funimation, all the anime, MVM and a lot of these people are I would say they're considered competitors right so mm. how did you guys get those guys on board especially if this was something that was run by effectively all the anime how did you guys manage to get them on board?
1: The, the way we looked at it was and and I think you know especially given you know the, the news and events around that time it was, it was quite easy to do like we, we looked at it very much as a as a community thing rather than as a business thing like we didn't we didn't really sit down to create that event with kind of a business plan of like well here's how much profit we want to make etc cetera, etc cetera. it was all about kind of giving something to the community and reaching out to the community at a time when you know normally they'd be looking forward to you know going to events and seeing their friends and hanging out and you know we were looking forward to doing all of those things too so it's really easy like when it, when we spoke to all of the various partners we brought on board like they were all very much of the exact same mindset of like, yes, like we are having this same kind of feeling too that you know we, we also want to to do something for the community and to to give something back and to you know create some some fun content to you know to to get people through kind of a, a difficult time. Um, and so it was actually incredibly easy. Like I mean, everybody was was very much on board from the get go and needed very little persuading that you know this was a a good thing to do for for the UK fandom and and beyond. You know, we we did. Want to make sure it was something that was pitched to, you know, the U.S. and other territories as well, rather than being just a UK-specific thing. And uh, yeah, you know, it was it was really nice. It's, It's kind of a really good example of how great the anime community is in general. Like, you know, yes we are competitors and rivals in one sense we're all kind of in the same boat and we're all kind of a bit of a big family at the same time like you know there is a, a kind of respect and friendship between all of us like you know there, there aren't there aren't really many tooth and nail fights everybody gets on pretty well and you know kind of pulls together when when it's it's beneficial to to everybody
0: from what i see online i don't know there's that sort of fandom type situation you know like uh when when you have like Xbox fanboys or or PS PlayStation fanboys etc and they they kind of argue with one another I've noticed the same thing happening with fans of Funimation and Crunchyroll for example and people be like no Crunchyroll is better no blah blah blah. so it's nice to see that as companies you guys aren't like that and it's more necessarily the fans I don't think they should be acting like that but it's nice to see that you guys are working together for the greater good yeah absolutely it's very interesting to me just the, the idea and this the strides that you guys are taking because i don't know how the cloud works right in the sense that when you have expos and stuff there's a lot of money to be made you know merchandising and selling tables and stuff and all that kind of stuff i'm guessing you guys aren't making as much money doing this and it was very clear by that it just seemed to me that it was very fan focused we don't see a lot of that nowadays so I'm, i want to thank you for and obviously all the anime as well for for doing something like that and the idea of the screen anime as well but going back to scotland loves anime where did that come from the idea behind it
1: yeah so i mean uh, Scotland loves anime was basically andrew partridge's brainchild um and i i guess you, the thing to remember is is that Scotland loves anime is, is over a decade old at this point like the first uh, the first uh, year of it was 2009 um and the the anime landscape for film, in particular, in 2009, was completely different. Like, in that there basically wasn't one. You know, unless it was a Ghibli film, or you know, something really, really massive. Anime just wasn't getting into cinemas, and it was incredibly hard as an anime fan to get to see any anime film, really. Um, if you were lucky, you'd maybe wait kind of a, a couple of years, two, three years, and you'd get to see it on DVD or Blu-ray. But that that was kind of it. Um, and so Scott Loves Anime was really born out of the idea that there's all this great cinema, there's all this great anime cinema in Japan every year, and nobody's getting to see like 95% of it. And that that needed to change. And so Scott Loves Anime was really born from that. And then kind of, like I was saying previously, really, it was... Partly, obviously, for existing anime fans to say like, hey, look, here are these great franchise films. Here are these great original films. Uh, but it was also just about introducing and educating people about anime as a whole. And, and one of the fantastic things, you know, having... I've attended Every Scotland Loves Anime in some shape or form, whether it's been kind of working on it or, or just as, as a punter, effectively. One of the great things that you get to see is, you know, going to a screening in Glasgow or Edinburgh and just seeing the range and breadth of people that, that go and watch films there, you know, it's not just your typical anime crowd, like, you know, you'll get to see elderly couples, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, who have maybe like seen a poster for, for a film and it's like, oh, that looks nice you know that looks interesting and they'll go and see it and they'll really love it and you know it doesn't mean that they're gonna you know become hardcore anime fans they're not gonna go away and watch dragon ball z but you know it's really important to show that you know anime isn't just those things that it tends to get pigeonholed out right it's not just the and battle anime of people screening screaming for, for hours. It's not just, you know, the, the kind of fan service. There's this huge breadth, like a- animation is a, is a medium, like it's not a genre and so the education part of it is is really important for, for Scott and Loves Anime to show people everything that anime is and can be, whether it's really kind of bizarre and strange short films, through to, you know, a big kind of blockbuster hit, through to kind of a fan favourite film. Um, and so kind of that's, that's really where it came from and I mean I guess it's worth noting like Scotland's Anime is not an Anime Limited thing. Um, it's actually kind of its own independent thing. It's run as a charity. Um, it just so happens that, that kind of the, the people that are most passionate about it are also all Anime Limited employees as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it's that's really where that came from, and, and obviously it's I think it stood the test of time. Like it's it's a lot easier to, to watch anime films now, but forgotten loves anime is still kind of a premier place to go if you want to see the latest films first, and if you want to see a really broad range of cinema. Um, you know, it, it continues to be uh, kind of to go from strength to strength in that regard.
0: See, what what interests me the most about Scotland Loves Anime is the sense of community, right? I've never attended it, but I've attended like anime screenings in England specifically. When you go, you, you get a sense of community. Like a lot of the people tend to be anime fans, or even if they're not, you tend to have some very interesting conversations with them. I don't know. They tend to be very friendly. And I would imagine it would be the same here with Scotland Loves Anime. I'm guessing Scotland specifically because... You guys are based in Scotland.
1: Uh, Yes, yeah, that's that's the the long and the short of it is uh, yeah, and and I mean the the other part of that as well, apart from the the simple geographical thing, is that whenever there are kind of screenings of of anime, and and again, particularly back in two thousand and nine during its inception, like anything anime related that did happen used to be very London focused. You know, it would tend to be if anything was getting screened, it would be at the Barbican or the BFI in London. And, uh, you know, and, and like so many things in the UK, you know, London becomes the hub for all of these things. And so we, we, we also... Scotland's anime also wanted to break away from that and say like, look, this London is not the only kind of like city of culture in the UK. You know, Glasgow and Edinburgh also have very strong links to a wide range of culture. And so they also made sense as kind of homes for the festival as well. So beyond it just being kind of, you know, local to to ourselves being in Scotland, it was also kind of a a strong, a strong pair of cities to have something, you know, cultural like this.
0: How does the festival work specifically? Is it something akin to oh, I forgot the name of it, but like Fantastic Fest in the US, for example, where you know you have a ticket and then you could just walk into a bunch of different films and stuff? Or is it like you have to book? for a specific film to watch i like how does that work logistically
1: uh so it's pretty much i mean basically the, the the festival partners with a couple of cinemas the the glasgow film theater in glasgow obviously and the film house in edinburgh um and and really it's it kind of depends how you want to uh, how you want to um access the festival really um you can just buy tickets for individual screenings much like you would you know any other normal cinema visit um but the 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 Glasgow Film Theatre usually does like a weekend pass where you can basically buy one ticket that will get you into all of the films over that weekend. And the Film House in Edinburgh usually runs more of like a discount scheme of like if you want to go and see five films, you'll get like 10% discount or whatever the the numbers are. So it's very much a kind of, you know, you you can... There are some people, and and I used to be one of them before I I kind of started working with the festival directly, I used to be one of those people who'd go to every single screening, you know, and I would... uh, practically not eat for the weekend because there'd be so many films going on there wouldn't be much time to actually go and get food um, which was perhaps perhaps like suboptimal for my own health but uh but yeah so you know you can you can go all in and you can just go and watch everything or you can just pick and choose and say hey these are the films I really want to see you know maybe not and depending on the popularity of the films there are some films you can just walk up and you know go buy a ticket on the day at, at the box office um, obviously more difficult for, for some of the, the the big hotly anticipated films where there have been times where we've kind of uh, we've blocked Socky Hall Street, the main street in Glasgow with queues back from the cinema or people wanting to get in. Um, But uh, but yeah, you know, it's 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 pretty much, you know, the, the traditional cinema experience in terms of ticket buying.
0: See, that seems very interesting to me because I never really thought about it like that. Like my initial sort of idea of it is like, you know how you have film festivals in the US, right? especially the ones that tend to be outside and have this massive screen. That that was my idea. I didn't necessarily understand that it was in cinemas. Is it the case that, for example, let's say I go to it and I miss a screening, is it like one and it's done or would they rescreen it within the day?
1: Usually most screenings are just kind of one and done. Um, Occasionally we have, in Edinburgh in particular, we tend to have like a few overflow screenings like into the next week. So the most popular films, if films sell out quickly, we'll maybe see if we can put a second screening on. It's very much dependent on kind of what capacity the cinema has because yeah, if, if we sell out of a screening completely, then we'll maybe try and put a second one on but it's usually just the case of you know what tends to happen is we have one weekend in glasgow and then the following week in edinburgh so you know if, if you're willing to travel like from glasgow to edinburgh or vice versa then you know you can actually watch films more than once uh, but for the most part it's just kind of a, a single one-off screening
0: the reason why i'm asking is because i really want to go <laughs> like i know it sounds so stupid but part of me wants to go to that because there isn't much you know going on in in england anymore which i i found a bit odd you know you mentioned obviously that there's some screenings in in like the barbican and stuff like that but i don't want to go to the barbican i just want to go to like scotland and explore a little bit because i've been a couple of times but i thought you know what i'm gonna go there is there plans to sort of expand anything that you guys are doing whether that is cloud mitsuri or you know scotland loves anime like those kind of things are we gonna see like an expansion or you can't really say i don't know yeah
1: i mean definitely you know the, the cloud matsuri idea is, is something that we're going to kind of continue to to work with and, and you know probably sort of you know change and, and massage as, as as things change um so you know i think that's something that you'll certainly see more of from us um and i mean in terms of putting film into cinemas and things like that you know we're, we're always looking at what we can do and and you know ways to make anime more accessible to people and obviously cinema is an important vector for that you know especially once we kind of get beyond the the current situation and you know cinemas getting to cinemas is 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 more easy and more readily available so yeah i mean it's we're always looking at at what we can do to to expand things out and to make it easier for people to see you know the cool content that we want to show off for people and you know hence hence things like screen anime as well
0: that being said i just want to thank Our sponsors, Crunchyroll, Japan Crate, JList. That was the first time that I actually remembered them in order. So I'm going to give myself a little bit of a clap here. Uh, Either way, thanks, Andy, for coming on. I really did enjoy the conversation. And where could we find you? Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. First and foremost, it's it's always good to have an excuse to chat about anime for a
1: bit. Um, And yeah, so you can uh, find us online at uh, www.alltheanime.com.
0: And you can find us on all of the usual social platforms at All The Anime what about you specifically if someone was like you know what i really like andy i want to give him a follow on twitter (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Hannahs1979, um, and, and if, if by any chance you want to see just how much anime I've actually watched, uh, you can find my my anime list profile is just Hannah's, um, so take a look at that and then try not to look at the the, the bit that tells you how many days worth of anime you've watched, because it's kind of painful. Has it gone into the years? No, I don't think so, no, look, look in, I think my completed list at the moment is like 230 something days, but that's still, okay. that's still a lot. So you- <laughs>
0: So you've got a little bit to go to get to the year. Yeah,
1: yep. Yeah, I'm still, still, still hard at work on, on always watching more stuff. So how I'll long do you there. think
0: it'll take you? To get <laughs> uh, well, to the year.
1: yeah. I mean, I, I guess my like 230 odd days is, is like the product of about 15 years worth. So maybe, maybe another decade. Like you know, we'll, we'll get to the year mark. I, I just need to watch more. Clearly,
0: hopefully so. And when that does happen, you need to do something for it, like get a cake or something yeah
1: always looking for an excuse for a cake so i'm up for that
0: but that being said thank you guys for watching this episode we are going to have more regular content hopefully if you guys like these this small sort of interview series we might be continuing it uh in addition to that we will be having other uh anime reviews coming up each month as well so bye